you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast are available for virtual parties. Can't get paid for it, though. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with heroes, well, some heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Virtual party. Hey, now. Hubba, hubba. Was that the loudest that the intro ever was? Yes, I believe it was. I was having similar issues to Greg. I I felt like I was at, like, uh, you know, like the old Nirvana concert I went to, Springfield Civic Center in 1994. (laughs) Ah, how about that? Loudest concert ever. Um, mine was, and it's not like some badge of honor like um, Greg Rosenthal getting to see the great Nirvana. I saw Aerosmith on the Just Push Play Tour 2001 at the PNC Arts Center in Holmdale, New Jersey. And I don't know if I was by a speaker or what, but my ears were ringing for a week and a half. I don't know if I've <laughs> ever recovered. I blame Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. All right, to Mark. I would imagine maybe a Toad the Wet Sprocket concert. Annie DeFranco, no. what do you got? Um, I did like Annie DeFranco. I despise Toad in the Wet Sprocket. I, I simply hated despise. that band. Um, uh, I think I would have to go with the U2 concert we went to was was loud, but it wasn't like crushing your ears loud. Um, maybe Blues Traveler, the first concert I ever went to. Well, when that harmonica gets plugged into a PA, when Popper rips and he wails, eardrums yeah, right. pop. Um, all right. <laughs> Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Yes, we are two days removed from Championship Sunday. We have a really fun Super Bowl matchup coming up in about a week and a half, of course, between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs. Plenty of time to talk about that. And we will... In good time, we got a, another show coming up on Thursday, and then um, two more programs ahead of Super Bowl Sunday night uh, to dig into the nitty-gritty of the big game. Today, we're going to talk about other uh, things going on in the NFL, and there's a lot cooking right now. And uh, Greg, I mean, right off the bat, let's let's talk about the biggest story in the NFL, uh, your cameo on today's Ooh. edition of the Power Ranking Show with uh, me and Matt Money-Smith. What a performance. 
Well, it was exciting uh, to be invited. Thank you for having me. I know Mark uh, was on last week, and um, and who knows? Maybe it'll be a home and home. Little money on the podcast about maybe. that for a tease. Hmm. We're in talks what, with money. What are you ranking at this point? Is it just down to the final oh. two teams? Or? I don't know, man. <laughs> we just it's, talked about the Buccaneers. There was no gotcha, ranking, gotcha. at least when I was okay. there. We yeah, we've reached the point uh, where we're basically just shooting the sh- on. Um, television so it's actually good though it's it's, it's, it's fun just to talk all right a lot to get into we have a special guest speaking of special guests it's been it's been a minute kevin patra coming at you to talk about everything that's going around going on around his uh, boyhood team the detroit lions i know patra has takes to share that's coming up but before we do that let's check in on the news there's much to dig into all right i don't want to look at the camera right it's time to get to work nice Wow. Iconic picture right there. I love this picture. That is sweet. Wow. That sound you hear is Philadelphia Eagles fans cringing across the country. I don't know what's going on with the Eagles social media account. Uh, The Sirianni situation... That was um, him. That was him entering his office, I think. That was him, yes. I, I should make that clear. Um, I just asked Ricky to pull one of the tweets where they just had a uh, someone with their iPhone has Sirianna enters the office. I guess that was once Doug Peterson's, and he and he looks around, and, and somebody randomly says, get to work, and then he says, ooh, that's sweet, and points at a bunch of photos. And then they also had photos of him walking, or, or video of, of Sirianni walking around the Eagles complex, not exactly dynamic. They, they put up online the actual conference call when Jeffrey Lurie offers um, Sirianni, the job. We'll just listen to that really quick. Nick, it's Jeffrey Lurie. Hey, Mr. Lurie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Well, I got a kind of a big question for you. Absolutely. How would you like to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Man, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> everybody listening here. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I, I can't wait to get to work with you guys. We are so incredibly excited for the coach you are and the coach you can become. And everything you bring to the best fan base in America is is off the charts. And um, we had really good candidates. You stood out in so many ways. And I can't wait for you to join all of us and reach for more Lombardi trophies because that's that's what we're going to do. And that even felt a little weird to me. I know that you're trying to give the people the content, Greg, but I'm not sure it was... I don't know what's going on with the Eagles right now. The whole operation, uh, and I feel like I'm not alone. Yeah, I I feel bad, you know, if their social team is is listening. Uh, I think it's just they're Points trying to drum up... They're trying to drum up some excitement for the Sirianni era, and um, it is weird. It's been so long, I feel like, since the Eagles had a moment like this where not only are things seemingly going wrong, but they don't have much juice, and they're, like, trying to self-generate some juice. If nothing else, the Eagles have always been uh, one of the top teams in juice. I mean, they hired a coach with less juice than the one they just fired, and he's wandering around the complex in what seemed to be loafers. I don't know what was going, but I think it's it's a different world because your your any sort of like interaction with the media. I mean, is you know 
chest up at this point. You know, you're not, no one's seen the bottom of you, but uh, it was not a um, dynamic opening look at um, their winning decision. Way too much sartorial um, criticism coming from social media. First of all, we shouldn't be saying anything um, about the way he dresses. We're not known for our style either. But the people on Twitter, everyone who's been wearing sweatpants with egg yolk on their white T-shirt for 20 hours a day. All right. The, The dark khakis were maybe a little bit wrinkled, maybe needed one more pass at the iron. Did the shirt match the jacket maybe not perfectly but i didn't think it was anything egregious i i just thought mm. he, he, a siriani getting buried for the way he dressed eh, everybody better ever look in the mirror before they make any commentary i i i hear you i didn't see all that i do think about this pandemic time because you're describing me the sweatpants and the egg yolk i the thing that has changed the most that will never change back is i i can't believe that i would wear like pants or jeans in my house like after I would get home from work or back in from the grocery store for like the rest of the night like back mm. in the day but I don't ne- I'm never going oh, that'll right. never <laughs> happening it's insane wow I know I, I know I was, that. yeah I know a lot of people had already done that before but but I mean mistake. here's the thing like it's gonna be in a few months it's like all right guys it's real exciting we're gonna get you back in the office setting and you're gonna have your big fancy pants on and like your shirts and your ties it's like <laughs> Wait a minute. What? I'm not doing that again. That's where I start to have issues when they when, you know, some loudmouth tells me I got to roll back into some, you know, find a parking space and wear like 18 different shirts a week. Forget you. The problem is the problem is, Mark, that as much as we'd like it not to be the case, there is societal structure that God willing pandemic goes away. We we have the choice to either fall back in line like good drones or take a walk. Maybe, well, I think I might take a walk. Decision. Like I literally, like I have thought a lot about this. Like <laughs> I, like if there are some good things that have come through the pandemic, and like big companies are like going to be smart about it, or they're going to be real clunky and old school and make us go back to do everything. I have to sit at like my little cubicle typing for five hours with like eighty people <laughs> but, interrupting you. I mean, Forget when was it. the last time you really did that? Anyways, even before. <laughs> Mark, we'll see you back at the office and you'll be dressed like a good boy. I will not ever go back. All right. Let's get into the news, uh, starting with the Packers. Let's continue to follow this soap opera. I was happy to see, and I think we should on this podcast and well, some people won't embrace this, but we embrace getting rid of needless quote unquote controversies. And there was a ton of buildup on Sunday based on some things that Aaron Rodgers said in his press conference that made people think, does Aaron Rodgers want out of Green Bay? Calm down. It was a, it was just the way uh, the, the passion and the uh, how upset he was. And he answered a question in a certain way that you could have looked at it as him saying, oh, there's mystery. Maybe I won't be back. He was always going to be back. And the Packers uh, made that official on their end. Well, uh, well, close as you can get to as official with Packers president and CEO Mark Murphy uh, going on um, the WNFL in Green Bay and having this to say about uh, Aaron Rodgers and his future in Green Bay. There's no way in heck <laughs> that Aaron is not going to be on the Packers. I mean, he's he is uh, going to be the MVP of the league. Might have had his best year ever. He's our unquestioned leader. And, you know, we're not idiots. <laughs> we're not idiots, uh, Mark Murphy says. And then Aaron Rodgers had an appearance on the Pat McAfee show 
uh, which I haven't watched a lot of the Pat McAfee show. I have to be honest with you, but I checked it out, and I kind of like what they're doing over there. Yeah, it's good. I like the I'm vibe the, of the McAfee show, and obviously get a big fish in Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers talked about well, you know where he's at, uh, talked about the game itself uh, that the Packers just lost, and also the, the thoughts he's had about finishing his career where he started it. To me, a reality, not a certainty or an absolute, is that my future is not in my hands. Now, that's really the case for all of us, I think, as players. But you can't, I think, naturally, there's times where you let your mind go to maybe, I'm going to be a Packer for life, or I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm going to be like a Tim Duncan or a Jeter or a Kobe and play with one team my entire career. I think naturally you dream about that. I mean, that's kind of like a dream scenario, and I've talked about that for much of my career. I think, you know, when when they drafted Jordan, it was more just like the reality kicking in going, hey, that's actually never the case. There are no absolutes in this business. That seems uh, level-headed and a good analysis of the situation, Greg, by the great Rodgers. Yeah, I I really enjoyed listening to the entire interview with context and – you know, I think he, he also said, you know, there's no reason to believe he wouldn't be there. I think he was talking about that it, it's out of his hands, but it also doesn't mean that some of the speculation or reporting about his contractual situation and that that could be um, the area where they make Aaron Rodgers whole or happy or is a big conversation for the next month. I mean, that that's still to me very much on the table. Flor, you know, Mike Florio, my old boss, you know, had a source saying like he wants more money, um, that he wants some guaranteed money into the contract. Rogers, I think alluding to that said, we, I haven't talked to anyone, you know, I haven't said, talked to anyone with the Packers or, or is I think he was saying about his agent in terms of that. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if his agent's off doing, doing some work, talking to media sources. It, it all makes sense to me. I, and I think hearing Mark Murphy, like they're going to do what they need to do to make Aaron Rodgers happy. I'm pretty confident in that. I mean, it's like you went and drafted a first-round quarterback, and we can package that away as one item. And then Aaron Rodgers goes out and is essentially the MVP of the year. I mean, this is someone I think that wants to be wanted. Um, it's, it's, I, I don't buy that it's the polar opposite of him and Favre way back in the day. This is a different situation. But there is a young quarterback on the roster um, sitting there, and I think that he spoke before the year that the future was in doubt. And I think this is someone that also mentioned about being like a Kobe Bryant or a Tim Duncan who, um, you know, you entertain the idea of being a Packer for life. I think that's going to take, to your point, Greg, more money and you know, he it, he also made the point, which is just true, that you know you want these athletes not to just um, you know dispense sound bites, which we're tired of and we're too savvy for. But then when Aaron Rodgers speaks his mind after the game, um, it creates the spin cycle of speculation and news, and we're forced to talk about it. But I think that the end result, I think I said I put a nine percent chance that he could be on a different team because if he really, really wanted to, maybe something happens. But if Doesn't seem like he wants to. No, I'm hearing him now and hearing the team in general. It's like, I think we can put this thing away, hopefully, um, for now. This is not the Sean Watson situation. It's a totally different situation. People just got a little bit uh, carried away. Now, I I am not a guy that counts other people's money. Um, Aaron Rodgers wanting to redo his contract. Is there a part of you've heard Tom Brady did it once upon a time instead of giving me more money, bring in that extra weapon or two to get me over the hump? Maybe that's a way they can work out some type of dialogue. Like, how do we 
get you another Super Bowl, Aaron? And is does that is that put us in the best position, tying up more cap money with you? But you know, maybe you they'd know, probably lower it. They'd do the yeah. They'd I do could the, go it, the other way. You're in right. the in the in the short term. I think they would lower it. I think that I think if Rodgers is going to have a point here in terms of his future being uncertain, is he might want just things to be guaranteed because he's going to say, I don't want this to be a year to year thing. I don't want to feel like this isn't going to be my last year in Green Bay. Will you guarantee me money? You know, through 2022, let's say that seems like probably you know two more years and and then you lower my cap hit but you're actually giving me more money it, the packers like a lot of teams more than more than most years are are in some cap um you know issues if they're really going to lower the salary cap 20 million i i don't think we're quite are are sure what's going to happen but if that actually happens it is kind of a sea change compared to anything that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. Teams have been preparing for that $20 million to be there, and if they really do dial it back that much, it's going to be weird. A lot of weird I mean, the, things. The other aspect is, like, you know, dug-in beat writers like Rob Domofsky have said that, you know, everything that anyone's seen from Jordan Love in person, he's just not ready. And if anything, Tim Boyle would be a starter if Rodgers oh, no. weren't there. So it's like, you, the, it just makes no sense. There's no, plan, there's no secondary plan there. Uh, yeah, and the thought, if you do get into bed uh, further with Aaron Rodgers and, and give him those guarantees, doesn't further. mean you're wasting Jordan Love totally. Obviously, it doesn't work out ideally because he's on that rookie contract, but the idea is you brought him in because you thought he could be a top-line quarterback as a first-round pick. If you develop him right way, you have a great backup quarterback. Now that yep. you have an aging Aaron Rodgers entering his late 30s, uh, drama, drama, drama. Speaking of quarterback drama, let's check in with the L.A. Rams. And we know Sean McVay had grown tired with Jared Goff by the end of uh, this season. The um, you know the middling play, the turnovers, and even after he busted his thumb, you could tell that McVay wasn't looking to make any excuses for the former number one overall pick uh, and refusing to commit him as their quarterback in 2021. Well, Rams general manager Les Snead had a chance to throw some cold water on the speculation around Goff, and, and, and instead he grabbed the kerosene. Uh, he spoke <laughs> Tuesday, and he refused to endorse Goff as the starter. In fact, in a tweet uh, from Omar Ruiz, Snead said, Jared Goff is a Ram at this moment. Wow, what is going on here? Mark, the end of the day. <laughs> it's almost like the Rams have made a conscious decision to not put any gray area on this. I mean, he could have said outright, Jared Goff's not going to be on our team, but that's about as close as you can get in football parlance when you say he's a he's on the team at the moment. Yeah, it's like I think, you know, you all had the, the relationship back in your 20s or something where you began to broadcast to friends that a breakup was um, imminent maybe before uh, the person you were dating knew and it just the, the energy was out there. And I mean, the, these guys are skilled um, at the art of public relations. If, if, if Les Snead wanted us not to be discussing this right now, there would be a lot of ways to use his words to not create um, a hot point. But instead, they seem to do that every time. And it's, it just seems very clear to me that unless, it's in, unless they just can't find a way to move him because the money side of it is a disaster, um, there's all these quarterbacks with these huge contracts that the teams are unhappy with. El Problemo. And like, uh, like you know, Goff to me, though, he's El somewhere problema. else. But who's going to come trading for Jared Goff? Like, I just... I, that is the other side of this that I can't find a real and like unless a suitor is just desperate. Yeah, this thing this thing turned fast. I mean, from Aikman in week sixteen, Seahawks Rams, 
kind of burying Goff in a way that seemed like, man, he's talking to McVeigh, but you know, maybe I'm just we're speculating a little bit. To them, you know, seemingly benching Goff for Wofford, but being able to kind of hide behind the injury. To this, where it's like, you're right, then they're, they're not hiding it. Like I wasn't even a hundred percent convinced that he was gone, gone until this one. But man, he, he's gone, gone. I mean, they even asked them when they about the salary cap. Like, hey, wouldn't it be hard to trade Goff because of the cap hit? And I do want to get into that in a second, uh, but I'll let you talk. Like, and and Les Need was was like, well, you can always, you know, yeah, it would be hard, but you can always move things around with the cap. It seems like <laughs> they're they're so they've decided internally that Goff is not the guy, and you get it. Like, I was just talking about it. Um, after their last playoff game against the Packers, you can only imagine Sean McVay, a guy that has so much skill in his ability to call games and cook up dynamic game, uh, game plans, watching these other teams that have quarterbacks that can do things outside the pocket and and, and can um, go off script and make big-time plays. And you wonder if there was just a conversation internally, like, he's not the guy. We need to get on the page of these other teams that have this dynamic athlete behind center. Um, and I, that's how I feel it went. Now, Greg, as you were alluding to, like, this is not going to be easy because his stock has never been lower and he makes superstar quarterback or close to it money. So how do you actually get get it done now that you're basically putting it out there that it's going to happen? Okay, so he is due 40 40- three million dollars guaranteed over the next two years which which sounds like a ton but you know that's 21 million a year it is guaranteed though the thing is you 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 can't cut him like you you really can't if they cut him even with a post june 1st thing you know it would it would hurt them 15 million dollars in the salary cap and they would have 50 million dollars of dead money on their cap you can't but you can't trade him and um, a trade can be as as low cost as like a sixth and seventh round flip. I don't know what kind of market Jared Goff would have right now. Basically none, I would think, with that contract. Uh, but if he was willing to restructure and and all you're doing is trading like a late round sw- pick swap for Goff and ultimately it's a cap uh, hit, then you can do it. I mean, you, you take a little bit of a – I'm looking at it now on our friends at uh, Over the Cap. But uh, you actually save money on the salary cap. You have some dead money, but you ultimately save, you know, $10, $12 million this year. So I, I think that's what will happen. I think someone will give up like a pick swap and maybe be willing to pay Jared Goff. I mean, could it even be like a Brock Maybe Osweiler not, though. Maybe not, thing? though, because with that contract, the money is guaranteed. Does, is there really any team that would pay him $42 million? Mm, I like guaranteed? where Mark was going with that. No, I, like, I could, think, Brock, like, could you, you get a second-round pick from the Rams just right. to take on the salary? Yeah, I mean, I like except that. the problem is like, it, it's it's also the worst offseason in NFL history to try to pull that off with the cap not growing the way it normally would due to revenue loss. So. They're in a tricky situation, but they're not hiding their feelings. Man, it's got he's it's come a long way from uh, right before that Super Bowl when he was playing well. The last few years for Goff, you know, they, then they went back to the well with hard knocks. That really wasn't good. You do wonder if there's a little more behind the scenes stuff too, where they would sour on him this much, you know, as a lead. I don't know what it, you know. Is it all? It's crazy. 
All right. Um, let's move on. Of course, we're going to continue to uh, track that. Uh, real quick, some uh, Coach Carousel stuff. Uh, we mentioned Nick Sirianni up top. And uh, by the way, let's give Nick a chance. And Eagles fans, you too, because I was tracking the replies on those tweets that the Eagles are saying. Now, everybody just sees him as a puppet hire by Howie Roseman, and we should have kept Doug P. It's like, oh, man, I, I, good luck to Nick Sirianni because it feels like there's a lot of negative in- energy around him. He hired uh, Jonathan Gannon as his new D.C. and Shane Steichen uh, as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Daryl Bevel is the new O.C. in Jacksonville. And uh, two familiar names, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, uh, deposed head coaches. They end up together in Alabama on Nick Saban's staff? Wow. Yep. How about that? Those guys, are, those guys are close friends. Remember, I mean, there were two owners' meetings in a row where I found myself in a scrum with uh, O'Brien and uh, Marone and, and others, and they, they were uh, very welcoming, I think. I'm not certain, but they seem to be. This Eagle staff is kind of the uh, – <laughs> it's good memories. Maybe – no, I guess they probably won't be back together in the NFL again. Maybe maybe Bill O'Brien will get a coordinator shot higher, Marone, you know. I think Pat. Hey, let's bring in Kevin Patcher a little early here. I want to tee him up on the lines, of course. But Patcher, were you there in um, the bar in Indianapolis uh, when Sessler had cozied up to all those coaches in the corner of that hotel bar? Well, no, this was an owners' meeting, so no. I don't think that. I don't think oh, so. Yeah, it? this wrong was... wrong venue. Wrong yeah. venue, but that was uh, Mark one of the more uh, iconic NFL media. Uh, trip moments where we're like, where's Mark? Where's Mark? And you were just, it was like all these Titans of the sport at the time. And and then you were just there like with a big grin and a glass of red wine, just like nodding your head to their conversations, laughing along. It was, I was, I was, there was some, I was, you know, offering some comments here and there. I wasn't just sort of a a clown on the side as I remember it. You were right in the middle of it. I don't, you were, you were involved with the conversation as well. You're saying that's how I remember it. I I I think think he was spinning yarns. They were like, who's this guy? This, this guy's great. You were like a wild card. It's always good. Every once in a while, everything has to be right. The temperature in the the bar has to be right. Oh, and remember bars. Oh, what a place they were. (laughs) Right. We're talking Uh, distinctly about the past at this point. If a a wild card rolls into your conversation in your circle, um, it, it could be met with a brush off and like, who the F is this guy? Or if the wild card brings something, it's like, all right, let's keep this guy in the circle. Oh, there might have been a little little bit of both going on in that scenario. <laughs> this guy just changed the temperature in the room. All right, Kevin Patra. Oh, how are you, fellas? Patra's a legend. Good I mean, to let's see talk, you. talk about it, Kevin, who's been, been too long. Yeah, it's been too long. Do you do awesome work uh, covering the league for NFL.com, um, a regular on this podcast? And you know, I think we checked in with you, Kevin, right before the season on your thoughts on the Lions, and we don't want to put you in a box, but it's been such a, um eventful past few weeks in Detroit. I wanted to talk to somebody who covers a team and also grew up following them. Let's start. I'm going to kind of go in reverse order of like everything big going on in Detroit right now, but let's start with the Matt Stafford news, which is obviously seismic. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero uh, reported over the weekend that the Lions and Matthew Stafford have agreed to part ways this offseason, which points uh, Patrick to a full rebuild uh, incoming here under uh, Dan Campbell. Uh, assuming this is how it does end up, where do you come down like on the Matthew Stafford era 
overall mm. since he was the number oh. one overall pick and, and how are you feeling right now about him? I mean, the, the era overall is he's the best quarterback the Detroit Lions have ever had, unless you really want to throw in Bobby Lane from the 1950s, but that's so old. My dad wasn't even peeing standing up yet. So I, <laughs> I, I can't give a comment on that, but in my lifetime in the Super Bowl era, Tell yeah. me more about your father's bathroom habits. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I don't. I think he can still stand being standing up, so we're still good there. Um, but anyway, uh, but he's the greatest quarterback they've had. He owns all the records, like thirty some passing records. I mean, even if you consider that this era to other relative to other eras, there's no quarterback. I mean, you're talking about Charlie Batch, Joe, uh, Joey Harrington's of the world, Eric Schmidt's of the world, uh, Scott Mitchell's. Like, there's no one that comes close to the type of quarterback he was, the type of leader he was, and his longevity at the position playing through injuries. There's no question that he's the greatest quarterback of hmm. Detroit Lions history. But it's a low bar. I mean, it, it is a very, it's a very, 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 very low bar. Stafford, yeah. he's, a, he's a tricky guy to talk about because I think there's nuance that absolutely the organization did not support him well over the last, 10 plus years. They should have won uh, many more games if they were functional with Matthew Stafford. They should have won more playoff games. But he's also not, I've seen him, you know, thrown in there with like Rivers and Romo or or different guys. And he's not that guy either. I mean, he's very rarely been a top 10 quarterback. He's been a better than average, like NFL starting quarterback, which is exciting to see, which is exciting to have. And he's, he's had moments. But he hasn't been like a, a Pro Bowl type difference maker guy. He's sort of in that in that middle tier. So it's like it, he's not. He's I almost think he's overrated by some that are like, man, that's like Stafford is a Hall of you know would have been a Hall of Famer. It's like I don't know. I don't I don't know about Hall of Fame, but the numbers are there certainly. And he you have to look at what was around him. It was crap for most of the time. Uh, I mean, the one year they had a good defense, the offense kind of sucked. So I mean. That that it's just an issue of like what was around him all the time. Yes, he had Calvin Johnson, but at that time the line sucked. Now the line's better, and all his, in, his receivers were injured. I just think that now it it makes sense to to part ways. I think the, the talent he still has talent. He's only thirty two years old, which seems ridiculous to think about. Um, so he's still got five or six years left if he stays healthy, and, and it'll be. I, I'm rooting for him to succeed wherever else he goes because I think he's gotten the the raw end of the stick by a bad or a mediocre organization um and it would be it would have been exciting to see his career at a uh, in a better place that didn't churn out its best players and have most of them retire or leave but in their early 30s that's fair i mean mean, would you would you struggle to come up with uh i'm not not asking you to do it here but um, a top five moments for Matthew Stafford. I, my one thing about him that I kind of feel like that quarterback and team, they tried for a real long time, but I'd love to see Matthew Stafford um, in a different environment with a different opportunity and maybe the Lions with a different quarterback just to see if they can shake things up because I feel like you're right he's 32 but I feel like he's been in the league with the Lions for 25 years. I mean it just feels like it's been the same. There, ha- there is almost like no hill or valley or ever flow it's just been the, the the Stafford and the Lions have been the same thing to me for so long and that may be an issue with my, the way that I see them but um I just I, I feel like he's not there there is a little bit of blame that I would attach to Matthew Stafford when it when you look at the Lions and say well they never got over the hump they never won a playoff game they never really did anything of note he I, takes some blame there the top they five. Won that playoff one playoff game they should have that was bullshit <laughs> 
the Cowboys. Yeah. But anyway, sure. Yes, I could come up with a Matt Stafford top five. And most of them, honestly, would be him freelancing at the end of the game to pull his team off their ass and get it at the end of the game. Whether it's the dive in the end zone against the Cowboys, which was preceded by a ridiculous throw into a hole as big as a, uh, you know, as a, a cue ball. And just most of those are, are going to be with his arm and just, but you're right. He, my biggest frustration with Stafford always was he took some of the stupidest sacks to like push him out of field goal range or kill a drive. That was my biggest thing. Not necessarily the interceptions because I always felt like me, he was trying to take a, make a play and I'll, I'll forgive that most of the time, but it was just the dumb sacks that he'd take or like the, the airmailed pass that would just kill a drive. So I, He's very I, I tradable. He's I, very tradable right that, now. That's true. I, I just, man, I struggle I to separate. See him as a, a player that, that they don't, not a building block, but a guy that's going to get you to the next level. And I think that's the, ne- the lines were never good enough for him to like help them get to the next level. They needed something different. I really struggle to separate the medi- mediocrity of of the lines from Stafford and and to to feel like he, of course, he's he's Stafford. He's involved with on some level their failure to get over the hump. But I mean. Put there's very few quarterbacks I think that you could put in his shoes over these last eleven years or whatever it's been, and it would have made a difference. And so maybe he's not Patrick Mahomes, but if you put him in an organization that was more functional, I think he could have a totally different trajectory on his career. We talk yeah. about that when we talk about Sam about Darnold all the time. Like, how Ryan do you Daniel? how do you judge Sam Darnold when he's around slop? Like, I don't think Matthew Stafford's been in a totally different situation. He's had some great players, like a Calvin Johnson, for instance, around him. But I, I would like to see him as a football fan in a new spot and surrounded by an yeah. organization that knows yeah. how to make the most of him. I think Ryan Tannehill is a good example of a player that has talent that can in yes. the right situation. Yeah in the right situation can be a difference maker. And I think that's Stafford to a T. Well, I think it like he is the most tradable guy of all these guys it, because the, it won't be that complicated. Now, of course, Deshaun Watson's more valuable <laughs> and right. you'd rather, you'd rather have Deshaun Watson. And there's other guys that aren't even getting mentioned right now. Like Jimmy G to me is, going to be very tradable and but Stafford's contract is very tradable he wants out they want him out I I think there will be a nice market for him I'm curious if like you're going to get a first round pick for Stafford wouldn't wouldn't surprise me I think there's there's a lot of teams that he'd improve the money just doesn't make sense if you're not getting the first pick he's not that not expensive I think yes they are going to do what's right for for him they want to after what he's put in but I think if you if you say we're not going to get a first round pick or something of equal value. I don't, I don't think you're you're going to do that. The one the problem is you then go twenty years without finding a, another quarterback. Oh, it's sure. It, oh sure, absolutely. There's no I, guarantees about anything, especially when you don't have a top two pick. All right, up next, Dan Campbell. He's the head coach. He gets the six year deal, um, leaving the Saints to join the Lions. Obviously, people got all fired up about the intro comments and biting kneecaps and, and all that business. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel? What's your confidence? What's your peace scale at? Let's say one, soaked under pants, got to get home to mommy. Ten, I'm feeling really confident. I'm feeling pumped uh, about Campbell, Detroit. Where, where you at? Uh, I mean, it wasn't my it wasn't my version of a great hire. That's not who I would have chosen, but I'm not in charge and I don't get a say. So having said that, so like I, I, I understand the hire. Like we talk about all the time, usually go for what's the opposite. What's the opposite of a rocket scientist. Maybe Dan Campbell, like you go for, (laughs) 
they went from the guy who didn't play to like football head and they brought in all these football heads. So that's where we're going. So I get the vision. And at least for, for, you know, at this time, there's a vision, there's a clear vision from ownership that they're bringing in guys who played before. And I was, I thought that the press conference was ridiculous. Now, was it entertaining? Yes. But it, the biting the kneecap stuff, still don't understand it. Try to clarify it like three different times. Still don't get it. <laughs> don't get it at all. But that's not for me. He even said that it's the first, first locker room. If those guys like to talk about biting kneecaps, more power to them. Um, but I will say, I think I like the staff he's created that he, he's brought in um, or whether that was Rick Spiel, or um, sorry, Chris Spielman who helped get them all. I like the staff they brought in. I think Lynn is, is going to be a solid offensive coordinator. I think he's worked with um, young quarterbacks. So if that's the draft choice that we have some there and do Staley and those two, there can be a run game. So I think DeAndre Swift, that'll be a solid pairing. And, you know, Aaron Glenn intrigues me on defense, just given what the secondary in New Orleans did. So I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of the Dan Campbell hire, but I'm willing to give him a chance. If he's going to be the guy that just says, you know what, everyone, I'm going to take the spotlight and you can go about and do your work and be good coordinators. And this is what I'm looking for, but you take it and run with it. Then I'm fine with it. Aren't not many of those guys left to kind of, uh, the overseer who's not really the expert on one side, you know, even Tomlin, basically as a defensive guy at the end of the day. I, I, I'm a little worried about their offense with Anthony Lynn and, and Deuce Staley. You just get the feeling from Chris Spielman and from Dan Campbell that it's like, we want to smash, you know, we want to, you know, run the ball over you. We want to be a smash mouth offense. Like we want to be physical that that's all they're talking about. And that that's all great. But you know, unless you draft Justin Herbert, uh, I I'm, I'm more worried about, uh, developing the passing game isn't that also what essentially um matt patricia wanted on offense i mean you got right. you had like a 43 year old adrian peterson running the ball 25 times a game i mean it's... i mean i'll i'll also i'm willing to see like let's wait to see who the quarterback is and what the other pieces obviously deandre swift is not a smash mouth guy that's gonna get it get the ball 30 times up the middle um but you know the, the chargers the last few years have been a passing first team even this year with herbert so I'm willing to say that I'm willing to give Anthony Lynn some leash and say that he's going to adapt. And that's the one thing that Campbell said in his press conference that I think you can take away. He wants to put our, you know, what we do well against what you do not well. You're our, our best on your weakest. So I think that's going to depend on where matchups come down, what what happens with the wide receivers, of which are none under, basically none are under contract. So it's a complete teardown and buildup. So Oof. they can say all they Tough. want right now about, running the ball, passing the ball. But, you know, when you're going to be down 20 to nothing because your defense can't stop a, a feather in the wind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, you know, like you talk about where the organization's heading. And listen, it's a new dawn, new leadership in the front office, new head coach. Um, but I'm thinking about them. And, you know, last year the big move was they traded Darius Slay, their top cornerback, and then they used the number three overall pick to draft Jeff Okuda. And you're trying to get better, but it's like how much better is the roster? Now you're going to trade Matthew Stafford. And then I guess with the number seven overall pick, you're going to draft a quarterback. But are you, are you going to get a guy that's much better than Matthew Stafford? Is this organization, do you think they're they're equipped to make the decisions to actually turn this thing around? Do you believe? Uh, and now, of course, you have John Dorsey in the building who did some good things with the Chiefs and then uh, with the Browns, but a lot of bad things too. That's why he's no longer at those places. Uh, do you trust this leadership? Um so while I didn't really enjoy the Campbell selection, I did, and I did like the Holmes as being a GM choice, 
and I think bringing in Dorsey to back him up. Just looking at what the the Rams have done to stockpile talent when we all thought, or a lot of us thought that they would, you know, kind of hit the pavement given the losses in free agency and such. But what the rookies did coming up and what their drafts have been um, in the secondary and on defense in the past, I think that that's a he, he's going to have a solid voice in there. And I so I'm more optimistic that. But again, it goes back mm. to ownership. This is a this is a team that every four years. I mean, Mark knows this well. You keep start re- hitting the restart button every four years. Nothing's ever going to go work. I think that was the point of giving Campbell a six-year contract to kind of say, look, we're here in this for the long haul, even if it blows up. Um, but do I have faith that a team that in my entire lifetime has never been good? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I can't have faith in that. I can have hope. That's all yeah. I can have is hope. They're, they're at a low point. It is interesting. I think as you were going through it, and I was thinking about the roster, not much there on no, not much there on defense, and then their best players the like, like Galladay. Yeah, got, yeah, the O line is solid. Galladay is a free agent. Like they, they are as much uh, in a teardown situation as really any team in the entire NFL right now. Well, when you're I basically think. allowing considering the Bengals have Burrow and stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Patrick, you have you grew up, I'm sure, with other Lions fans around you. Uh, it seems like obviously a fan base that has a good reason to be just, you know, essentially agitated all the time. But do you have that one fan friend out there that's like um, rose-colored glasses nonstop, thinks the Lions are always heading in the right direction, or is everyone um, essentially grumpy? Where is there? Are there any outliers? Uh there are very, very few outliers. I would say. I might have one friend who's like, well, I can see that, like, willing to say the, the you know, everything's great. Every hire is going to work out, you know, can see it. But for the most part, um, you know, us Midwesterners are politely uh, skeptical. I mean, I attempted, to jump on their, I attempted to jump on their bandwagon, you know, in August. And, I, you know, in any other scenario, the fans would be like, we might not be great, but thank you. It'll be fun. I, people were like agitated with me, like, you're an idiot. This team is <laughs> stupid. I've been following them for years. Don't do this. This is a bad idea. And I mean, it was a bad idea. Yeah. So. I, I had a friend whose dad told him about 10, 15 years ago, please stop being a Lions fan. Don't waste your life like I've done with mine. Like, that's kind of where we're at as a fan base, like mm-hmm. telling well, your kids to not be a fan. So, I mean, they they weren't going in the, the right direction. So maybe this is it. Maybe you hit the reboot and you have the right leadership and you build a roster and maybe, maybe, Patra, maybe you build a superpower. You never know. Yeah, you know, we're crazier things have happened, right? I know all about it. You know, the the hope. All you got is hope, and yeah. and maybe it turns around, and this is the the regime to do it, Patra. You've said it all. Anything else we need to know about you right now? About me? Yeah, you have uh, a young family, of course. Yeah. Now uh, the I'm, beard uh, looks good. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm constantly watching a child ra- crawl up down upstairs. That's <laughs> my nine year old is fascinated with crawling upstairs, of which we have a lot because our house is like built upwards. Um, <laughs> so his favorite thing. Humble brag. We live in we yeah yeah. Uh, we live in Gates City currently, so just Gates constantly and whenever he gets a free thing. So yeah. I'm getting a lot of exercise walking upstairs, not down them, because then I got to carry him back down because he can't. We're looking in reverse. here, the Hansis family is looking for uh, a new lodging uh, residence. And the only thing my, our, my two sons want is a house with stairs. And it's like, son, 
The Los Angeles, Los Angeles real estate market, I cannot give that to you. You, you will not getting have stairs, no. Yeah. Well, ours is a row of townhomes, so it's like, you know, they squish them in so they right, just – Right, right, right. Yeah, so, we, we stayed at an Airbnb somewhat recently, and, and it was like the kids ran into that. Studio. They have stairs. Yeah, like, oh, they shouldn't be this excited about that. <laughs> oh. They also have like a 10-month winner if you're not in L.A. So, you know, yeah. come well, on, kids. That's true. That's true. All right, Patrick. Thank you. Handy. Patrick, thanks uh, for joining us, buddy. Stay warm. Stay healthy. We Appreciate like. it, Paulus. All right. There he goes. Kevin See Patrick. You, coming at you. I, listen, I've been in that place with Patrick. Uh, Patrick's at right now my whole life, I feel like. Mark, you can relate as well. Um, you Even when there are some warning signs, all you can do is hope that maybe skeptics are wrong. You know, and and uh, not that there's a, a ton of skepticism. There is some around the Campbell hire, but I think maybe that was more surprising the amount of years they gave him. Um, but as I said in a recent show, I, I don't worry about that as much because if he stinks and it's not working, they're going to fire him, eat the money anyway, probably, and it's not on your cap. But it is to use that if that's indeed what Patrick was saying. Like the part of the reason he got six years is because they want to show that they are. Um, serious about this rebuild it's like all right but what if it doesn't work you can't just keep going back and back and back but i mean if anything they've been too patient there's four or five teams out there and there's a couple in the nfc north that's just like they don't fire the coach because of the money and other teams where the money's like the money is flowing they might you know cut cut the cord quicker i think cleveland at one point was paying um uh rob chudzinski for three separate um, stops in Cleveland, <laughs> so like like when things go bad for these coaches for these teams, I mean they, the owner ends up paying like a staff of like seventy different people from three different regimes. Ultra nightmare. Mm. All right, good stuff, good show, good conversation. We'll be back on Thursday. Yeah, we talked about Matt Money Smith. He might even uh, be joining us, uh, which will be fun. Always great to have money on. And um, no network show this week, so you don't have to uh, worry about tuning into that. But we will start to build up. I don't know if we usually do a show, guys, where we say we're not allowed to use the Super Bowl word. I don't know if that's this Thursday show or if we're going to start ramping up a little bit. I don't know. Listen, it's all stuff to to work out. That's the that's the fun part of it. Four, right? wow, only three more shows until the Super Bowl. Only four more in this in this uh somewhat cursed um but it's had its beautiful moments 2020 season. Mm. Fair, fair, fair. All right. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Kevin Patcha, who came right at you. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.